Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month on The Compliance Life, I visit with Courtney Nordrum. Courtney is the Chief Compliance Officer at Deluxe. In this four-part series, we look at her upbringing and college career. She grew up in Red Wing, Minnesota. We look at her early professional career from Freddie Mac to law school to big law to having her own law firm focusing on animal rights. We look at her work at Thomson Reuters and then the SCCE where she founded both the SCCE blog and the SCCE podcast and how this led to Courtney finding her calling in compliance. In episode four, we look at Courtney moving into the chief compliance officer chair. She shares why she is so passionate about her role at Deluxe, some of the successes she's had at Deluxe, and we conclude with Courtney looking at the CCO chair and the compliance profession in 2025 and beyond. I know you will enjoy this month's edition of The Compliance Life with Courtney Nordrum. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode of The Compliance Life. This month, we're featuring Courtney Nordrum, Regulatory Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer at Deluxe. Courtney, first of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Courtney, uh, in this episode, we're going to take up your early professional career. And I have to say, you're the only person I personally know who's ever worked at Freddie Mac. So I was wondering if you could tell us how you got to Freddie Mac, but equally importantly, how that experience really informed a lot of your professional career going forward. Yeah, so I was working in Minnesota. Um, My husband had just graduated college. He was my boyfriend at the time, and he was invited to get a job in D.C., to move to D.C. for a job. And because I was young and Lovestruck. I also moved to DC and the company. So he was working for IBM who was working on a a U.S. government contract, but they were doing so through a consultancy. And that consultancy realized that one of their star workers had a very bored girlfriend at the time, soon to be wife at home. And I had a degree in legal studies. I had a paralegal certificate um, and I could talk enough to make myself sound smart. So the company that employed my husband, the consultancy, actually reached out to me and offered me a job. And quite honestly, I think it was because 
they wanted to keep me happy so that he could work more. <laughs> but the job was um, working at Freddie Mac on the team that reverse engineered all of the software to be Sarbanes-Oxley compliant. So this was in 2005, 2006, before all hell broke loose and Freddie, Na Freddie Mac became notorious. But it was really, really interesting to me. One, because I was an idiot 23-year-old um, and, and didn't understand the ways of the corporate world the way I do now. I think that you don't get an appreciation for the politics and how things just generally operate in, in corporate America when you're that young and, and coming from Red Wing, Minnesota, population 16,000. Um, I'd be much more, I was much more comfortable walking around the shoe factory than I was in corporate America in McLean, Virginia. But it was also interesting to me because it was the first time I ever thought about compliance. So it was a mandate, obviously, coming out of Sarbanes-Oxley that you basically you have to trace the money. And, and corporations need to know where the money's coming from and where it's going. Shockingly, it took until 2004 for this to be something that the government ma mandated, but they did. And so while we were there, it was my job to basically draw the pictures of where the money went. So if, if you're familiar with the program called Visio, I would make Visio diagrams of the software where every dollar went. And the, the video, Visio diagrams would have to be then plotted out because they were like 12 feet by 30 feet. And doing that, I also learned a whole bunch about how money moved through both markets and Freddie Mac. So I, it basically taught me the basics of mortgage-backed securities and, and capital markets. I learned what a tranche was, um, which as you can imagine, Tom is very, very valuable information. Uh, it took me until my uh, mid forties to learn what a tranche was. So you were uh, way ahead of the game. But uh, now let me turn to uh, going back to law school, and I'd really like to focus on two things. Uh, first of all, uh, the, we talked about your passion for animals, but in law school, you really, I think, learned more about animal law and animal rights. But also, you studied in the summer uh, law in Israel, and I was wondering if you could first talk, give us a few words about that experience. What was it like, once again, for a... Uh, someone named uh, Courtney Quinlan O'Shaughnessy going to Israel uh, from a town of 16,000. But really, what was the experience, uh, educational experience like for you in Israel studying uh, during law school? Before we get to the answer to that question, we're going to have a quick message from our sponsor, and we'll be back with Courtney Nordrum. Going to Israel changed my life. Um, I went 
two summers. I went in the summer of 2007 and then went in the summer of 2008. I was invited back by the head of the program in 2008. So in 2007, um, my husband actually came with me at that time too. And I chose Israel because I wanted to study abroad. Again, you can't, you can't go abroad as cheaply and as easily as you can as when you're a student. And so I wanted to take advantage of that. And I thought, um, we weren't sure if we were going to have kids at the time. And so I thought, where's a place I will go that I don't think I would bring like little kids to. So where's my opportunity to go someplace a, a little bit less comfortable than than Europe, right? So I picked Israel and we showed up, we landed in 2007 on our second wedding anniversary. And I was there 24 hours before I was crying and asking him to put me on a plane. And, and send me home. I had only ever been to Australia and Australia is very modern and very similar to the US in, in pretty much all ways. And when we were in Israel, we were staying at, they called it a three-star hotel. I think in the US it would probably be like a one and a half star or two star. It was the student accommodations essentially. And the surroundings, were pretty, I'll say, I don't want to say tattered, but because of the sea air in the Middle East and along the Mediterranean, it's really hard to keep the facades of buildings clean and neat looking. And so I basically had some sort of breakdown where I was like, I hate Israel. I've been here 20 hours. I want to get on a plane. I want to go home. I'm done. My husband in all of his wisdom said, you're going to give it at least another couple of days and you're going to end up loving it. And I hate him because he was absolutely right. The, the studying itself we did at Bar-Ilan University. And Bar-Ilan is a more conservative university. I think it's just out of Tel Aviv. It's between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It was fascinating to me though. So there were six classes that we could choose from and every student could pick three. And I don't remember the order in which I took them now because I ended up taking all six between the two summers. But I do remember that the critical thinking that we did in those classes was really important to the critical thinking to form my opinions as kind of a grown-up. In law school, you talk philosophically about law and you talk about the laws and the rules and how they apply and how they don't apply. When I was in Israel, we would talk about the law, but we would also talk about fundamentally how it tied to religion or how it tied to a sense of self. And it, it was absolutely fascinating. And we studied the similarities between all of the Abrahamic religions, which was also really interesting. So the, the, the course itself was not religion-based, but Israel is a religious state, meaning their laws are built on the uh, Judaism. Their, their laws are overwhelmingly based on Jewish law. And so there's inherently a religious component to it. It's also really cool because Israel, I got to see a, a different version of Israel than you see on CNN or Fox News. 
I, I got to see real people and I, I don't want to get political and, and so I won't, but I will say that it was really fascinating to me to take a topic that has been festering probably for thousands of years and to actually see the people on all sides of that topic and to realize that there are people who are right on both sides. And, and at some point, I, I think I learned that it's okay to hold conflicting beliefs. You just have to get comfortable with the conflict. And so that was something that came out of Israel. I made some of my best friends <laughs> there. Um, I'm, I'm still very good friends with several of the people that I met there. And I will go back. My husband and I have said for years that we will continue to go back to Israel. So Courtney, uh, we talked about in episode one, your uh, passion around animals, and we talked a little bit about uh, your work in animal rights. So we're going to hold off on on that till we get to another episode, because I want to uh, conclude this episode by asking you about your move to New York City, starting in big law and quickly realizing uh, it was was not for you. But I'd really like to explore uh, that second part, how you realized it wasn't for you. Uh, not to say that you made a mistake, just it, like you say, it, it really wasn't for you. But having the courage to to make that admission and then move back to Minnesota, could you kind of walk us through all that? Sure. So graduating from law school, there weren't a ton of jobs. So this was 2009. And so we all kind of wandered aimlessly meaning my graduating class, a lot of people got jobs at the mall, um, which is kind of disheartening when you're working for $12 an hour after going to law school. But I had a, a connection and luckily for me that Freddie Mac work paid off. So because I understood mortgage-backed securities and capital markets, I was, contacted to go work for a, a giant law firm in Manhattan. So I did, I, I went, I sublet an apartment. I went to Manhattan kind of sight unseen and went to work. When you join law school, you kind of, everybody knows what big law is, right? So it's, it's a known entity where you know you're going to work your life off. You know that the partners are going to yell at you. You know that you just have to put in time and then if eventually things get better. And I was prepared for that. Like I had nothing else going on. I can work 15, 16 hours a day, not a problem. So I, I did that. And I will say that the firm was great. They had breakfast, they had pizza, um, they had beer but they also were doing work that I couldn't personally connect with. So I, I realized probably a month and a half in, I, I wasn't enjoying the environment and I wasn't enjoying the work. And I think that you can put up with either thing for any amount of time if, if you're getting paid enough, right? But I, I realized that the work itself was unfulfilling to me because I just wasn't emotionally connected to it. And the environment wasn't what I wanted as well. So it, it did not take 
all that long before I called up the hubby and I, I was probably crying, let's be honest, and said, hey, I, I know that this was supposed to be the plan, but I hate it and it's hurting my soul. And then he, without hesitation, said, then don't do it anymore. It was really interesting because as someone who grew up very blue collar um, on welfare, on food stamps, it was interesting to to have the ability to say, I don't have to have this job to be able to eat. That someone gave me the freedom to just say, I don't want to do this anymore because it didn't align with what I wanted. That being said, the, the law firm was lovely and, and the people there I'm sure are very good people. It just was not what I wanted to do or how I wanted to spend my career. And I think part of it was the connection. I was not connected to that work. I was writing motions all day. And while I'm probably pretty good at writing motions, there's no heart, there's no passion. And if you don't get up in the morning and wanna do the work you're doing, then that work may not be for you. Courtney, that seems like a great place for us to end this episode because we're certainly going to explore in episodes three and four, not only how you found your passion, but how you get to execute on that passion every day. So I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we take up uh, your evolution from law to compliance. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. So do I, Tom. Thanks. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode with in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.